0: This is a Messianic study of the Book of Romans. It's given in a Midrashic setting, which is audience participation. It was given during the months of June through August 2008. The discussion leader is John Behrens. He's pastor of Restoration Messianic Fellowship. You can reach our website at www.crimsonthread.com. There you can find this study in its entirety as well as other resources for your messianic study of the scriptures. This discussion has been edited and a number of the comments have been either truncated or removed for clarity and continuity. All right, so verse 8. For I tell you that Messiah became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who rises to rule, rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing, so that by the prayer of the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Okay, um, again, this is a continuation of what we just did at the, in most of 14 and the beginning of 15. And what he's doing here is exhorting, in this case the Gentiles, to behave in a Christ-like manner. And he's lifting up Messiah as the example. Okay? And he's saying that the Messiah came to the Jews and he did it to confirm promises and so forth. But he came as a servant. In other words, he didn't come as the ruler, at least that first time around. Uh, We know of course he's going to come again as a ruler. But he's saying if even the Messiah found it appropriate to behave as a servant among the Jews, again, how much more should you Gentiles behave the same way rather than behaving in a way that strokes your own prejudices? Something else I was going to mention here. Um, oh, verse 9. And in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, and remember we talked about that earlier in Romans, Paul talked about that earlier in Romans, is that the mercy of God is extended both to the Jews and to the Gentiles. Okay? And because of his mer- mercy, it is appropriate to give him glory. And so he's referring you back uh, to an earlier argument that he had. So now, verse 14. So as he's winding this thing up, he's spoken pretty harshly. He's sort of slapped everybody around. He slapped the Jews around at one point for being arrogant about being the chosen people and the circumcised. And he slaps the Gentiles around for their behavior. So now as he's winding up, he, he sort of does it in a flowery way. You know, I'm satisfied that you know all this stuff, and I'm just writing to you as a reminder. This is all stuff that you should know. Okay? However, one of the things that he is saying here is that I am writing to correct a problem. And so that, that's where he's saying, you know, I've, I've been kind of starchy. I have written to you very boldly. Uh, by way of reminder. In other words, yeah you were supposed to know this but you ain't behaving like you knew it so I had to grab you and slap you around a little bit. And again if you relate this parent to child you know the kid knows he's supposed to clean up his room. And that doesn't mean that the parent doesn't periodically have to grab him by the stacking swivel and get him in there to do it and doesn't have to do it in a fairly direct and starchy way and that's what Paul's doing here. He said you guys should know this stuff but I've had to beat you up a little bit and again I'm I'm emphasizing that at the moment because remember at the beginning it was my assertion that this letter is a pastoral letter. In other words he's writing to a community that has got tensions and problems and his letter is by way of solving those tensions and problems. It is not by way of setting out a systematic theology. Okay? So it's what uh, Nanos would call an incidental letter as opposed to something that he sat down and planned out and, you know, outlined and said, "All is this is my final big letter of my career, and so I'm going to set out all my theology in a systematic way, and make sure we get all the points down. That's not why this letter was written. It's a pastoral letter designed to solve a problem. And if you don't read it that way, you get all sorts of messed up. Where am I here? Oh, and in verse 16, to be a reminder of, of I'm sorry, to be a minister of Messiah Yeshua to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offspring offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So again, what he's talking about here is Gentiles bring offerings. You know, they can be offerings of money. They can be offerings of sheep and bulls and goats or any of those kinds of things. It's unspecified what kind of offerings we're talking about here. And of course, we know from reading the Torah that God specifically says if a Gentile wants to bring an offering, as in... A lamb he may do so okay and the only one that has any requirement on him is if he wants to eat the Passover so if he wants to come and and offer a a praise offering a thank offering or any of those kinds of things and just wants to offer up a sheep to God on Thanksgiving he doesn't need to be circumcised he doesn't need to do anything he just shows up at the temple with his sheep and the Levites will then take it and offer it. In fact, uh, historically, there's a. The, the final destruction of Jerusalem was caused by such an offering. And there was a. And I don't remember his name. I didn't look this up just before I came, so I don't have his name on the tip of my tongue. But there was a Jew who was desirous of having been the high priest, and he wasn't and so what he was doing was causing problems between the jews and the romans and so what he did is he went to the romans and said the roman governor i think and said gee you really ought to make an offering here and the roman says cool i'll do that if for nothing else than to ingratiate myself to the jews right well this renegade wannabe high priest picked an animal that was going to be halakhically unacceptable. So the the animal that shows up from the Romans to be sacrificed, when it gets there, the priest look at it and says, ah, uh, no, this is not an acceptable sacrifice. And so the Romans said, what? And, you know, got their backs all up and... Uh, that's one of the causes of the final destruction of the tabernacle is this back and forth thing. So the idea of Gentiles bringing sacrifice to the temple is perfectly valid and perfectly acceptable. And so what Paul is saying here is that what he's trying to do is instruct the Gentiles so that their offerings will be acceptable through the Holy Spirit. Now, that isn't just animals. That could be offerings of money. I mean, It could be any kind of an offering. It's not specified here. But it's also not specified that it's not an animal. Where am I? Thank you. In Messiah Yeshua, then I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Messiah has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. By the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Messiah. And thus I make make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Messiah has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard of him will understand. All right, one of the things I want to, spend a couple minutes talking about, and and by the way, the last citation was from Isaiah 52. One of the things that Ray and I have been studying for the last almost a month now is the kingdom of God and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And as we go through the scriptures, one of the things we discover is that the preaching of the gospel was always accompanied by signs and wonders people getting healed, people getting delivered, things that could not be explained simply by chance. Paul himself says, I believe in Corinthians, that he didn't come with grandiose words. He came in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it's the power of the Holy Spirit that validates the teaching of the gospel and if you read in as i say in, in the gospels where yeshua sends out first 12 then 70 and his instructions are heal the sick cast out demons raise the dead preach the gospel okay and that's what he always did and that's what paul does so it is not the case that paul goes into a into a place and trots out his best theological arguments no what he does is he comes in and he demonstrates the power of the Holy Spirit and when he's got their attention then he teaches the gospel especially when he's dealing with Gentiles now when he's dealing with Jews who know the scriptures okay and don't need to be evangelized in the same way as Gentiles do so when he does when he's dealing with the Jews in a synagogue here people who have been instructed what he does is he is perfectly capable of sound, solid, scriptural reasoning. Okay? He doesn't have any problem doing that. But when he goes and he preaches to the Gentiles who don't know nothing, what he does is he brings with him the Holy Spirit, and he does things with power among the Gentiles, and that's what gets them to accept his preaching of the gospel. And and as I say, if you read Acts, you read the Gospels, uh, everywhere the Gospel is preached, it is accompanied by people getting healed, people having demons cast out, people getting raised from the dead. So it is not the case that the Gospel is preached in a sterile, intellectual way in the early church. Okay? And... As far as I can tell, reading the Bible very closely, there isn't anything in the Bible that says that that ever stopped. Okay? And so what I'm saying to you is when you—it's one thing when you are talking among yourselves to believers and you're discussing your messianic beliefs versus— Pentecostal beliefs versus Catholic beliefs versus whatever beliefs. In other words, you're talking about, certainly at that point, very appropriate to use reason, logic, and reason from Scripture. But if you're talking about somebody who doesn't know God, the Holy Spirit needs to show up. Okay? And that's what Paul is saying here.